Well, today we are concluding our series in the book of Micah. And as we, as we kick off, as we start thinking about Micah for the last time, I want to ask you, do you remember this moment, uh, famous moment from TV recently? This moment. Uh, the Susan Boyle moment uh, on Britain's Got Talent, uh, coming there and surprising the judges, blowing them away by her talent at operatic singing. They didn't expect it. They kind of were joking and kind of underestimating what she was capable of. And that's the kind of, that's the idea these shows are built on, isn't it? We love to see people showing unexpected talent. We love to, that surprise. And sometimes we see it in kind of just remarkable ways when, when someone has a talent that you never knew about. I can remember hearing that, surprising things about people, hearing that a guy I went to school with just became this kind of like quite successful bodybuilder. It's like, what? I didn't see that coming. Or when you find out someone that you knew has actually been, like a little while before you knew them, has been, they've been a writer and, and won a, a medal at the Paralympics because they were like they were a support writer for someone who was blind. Oh, just just got this kind of this whole surprise history that you didn't know about. Sometimes it's really exciting, uh, and it's not just the kind of megastars, is it, that get, end up on TV. Often we surprise each other. There's just aspects of our lives and our personalities, our characteristics that we don't know about. Australia has got talent. I'm sure that you've got talent in some ways that other people are unaware of. And you know what? Sometimes it's not even it's not even that we just don't we don't know it. Sometimes we just don't grasp how significant it is. Look, you can know in our, I can know in my mind that you are a great cook, but that's kind of just a fact. And it's not until I actually sit down and eat something that you've made and go, "Wow," that I that I get a real appreciation. And I can be surprised by just the extent to which you are a great cook. Maybe you might know someone is a black belt in karate, but until you actually see them in a moment of self-defense and using that skill in a forceful and effective way, that you actually, whoa, that, that's impressive. It's kind of, things that we know about each other, can, it's easy to underestimate what they mean and how significant they are. And what we can do with one another and I think it is very easy for us to do with God. It's very easy for us to know things about God or think we know things about God and yet not appreciate how significant they are. It's easy for us to underestimate God, what he is like. As we continue this last section of Micah, we see Micah the prophet drawing together the, the main themes he's been emphasising throughout his prophecy. He comes back to them, uh, but he, he, he draws them together in such a way that he reminds us pretty strongly, don't underestimate God. If you think, if you think that you've grasped what he's like, then probably 
You need to think bigger. Now let's have a look together. Let's uh, start. Micah chapter 7, verse 8. He starts off warning the enemies of God's people. Don't gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I've sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it and will be covered with shame. She who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall. Even now, she will be trampled underfoot like mire in the streets. Micah speaks, first of all, reminding the enemies of God's people, don't gloat. Don't look down on God's people just because at this moment he's using, he's using you. God's using the other nations to bring judgment on his people. Don't think that you're superior. Don't think that God himself isn't powerful, isn't able to protect, to stand up for the people that he loves, the nation that he has set apart for himself. Don't, kind of, don't laugh and scoff and say, where is your God? Because you will face God's power. You will face God's judgment. Micah, you're, kind of, you're speaking on behalf of the people as a whole, on behalf of maybe the city of Jerusalem. He's speaking, he says, my eyes, they will see the downfall of the enemies. They will see these nations that God is using to punish Israel. You will see them punished. You will see God's justice enacted, not just on the unfaithfulness of this nation, but on the wicked world around. Judgment will come. Don't forget that God is powerful and that God is just. He won't let nations go get away unpunished. And Micah is confident of this, isn't he? He speaks very securely of this hope. Though he will endure God's wrath, Though Jerusalem, though the people will face his punishment, that there is still hope. This is not a once and for all destruction. This is not the end of the road for this people. In fact, he goes on to kind of explain this hope further. Verse 11, he says, The day for building your walls will come. The day for extending your boundaries. In that day, people will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, even from Egypt to the Euphrates, and from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. The earth will become desolate because of its inhabitants as a result of their deeds. The time is coming when Israel, when God's people, will be glorified amongst the earth, when people will come there. That's the source of life and hope 
and the rest of the world, the nations and their rejection of God, the peoples who aren't God's chosen people, they'll be judged. The earth will become desolate as a result of the deeds, the sinful deeds, the result of God's judgment. This is coming. Don't underestimate God. Don't scoff. Think it won't happen to me. I'm okay. I'm a pretty good bloke. God takes your sin seriously. Doesn't kind of just average it out and go, well, you're at 51%, you're a past. No. You're a sinner. You've rejected God by your thoughts, words, and deeds. You should expect to face God's judgment. Micah goes on, and the voice seems to to change a bit here. Uh, Being a voice directed towards God, being a voice that's God speaking, and then being a voice coming back as Micah again maybe on behalf of the people once more. But verse 14 says, Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, which lives by itself in a forest, in fertile pasture lands. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in days long ago. Praise for this time of f- fulfillment, for God to bring blessing on this people who right now are facing judgment. And then God's voice comes, as in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders. God will act decisively to bring the judgment on the nations, just like he acted decisively through the plagues and ultimately building up to the 10th plague through his wonders on Egypt, showing them clearly he was in charge. They underestimated him. They ignored his cries through Moses. God is saying he will act clearly, decisively. He will judge. What will the result be? Verse 16, nation will see and be ashamed, deprived of all their power. They will put their hand over their mouths and their ears will become deaf. They will lick dust like a snake like creatures that crawl along the ground. They will come trembling out of their dens. They will turn in fear to the Lord our God and will be afraid of you. The nations who live rejecting God, following their idols, they will be judged. They'll be judged just like Satan is judged. Here, the image of the serpent that licks dust from the ground. And they will be in a position where no longer are they scoffing about God and saying, where is he? Where's your Lord, Israel? Where's this God who's going to rescue you? No, they will be afraid of God. They will see the power. They'll be brought low. It's a big warning. Don't underestimate God's power particularly his justice, that he will judge and set things right. 
You cannot mock God and expect to get away with it. This is a big thing. Don't underestimate God's judgment, his justice. He won't just kind of roll over. He won't just forget about sin. He won't just brush it off and be done. We've seen it consistently through through Micah. God takes sin seriously. The sin of his own people and the sin of all the nations of the world. And then these last couple of verses, Micah turns to dwell not on God's coming judgment, but on the sheer wonder of the fact that he shows mercy to this people he loves. That he doesn't give them the judgment they deserve. Have a look. Verse 18. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You don't stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. God's judgment is great. It is terrifying. And it is right to take it seriously and fear it. But Micah also knows and reminds that God's mercy is equally magnificent. And it should not be underestimated. God's people, and particularly the remnant of his people, they can look forward to, fully confident, Experiencing God's pardon. Experiencing his compassion, his mercy. Him having dealt with sins and not holding them accountable anymore. His forgiveness and blessing. It's a... It's a beautiful picture. And in one sense, Micah, he's, he's summing it up, but he's, he's also kind of saying, well, it's, it's, you can't quite pin it down. Like, who else is like this? It's, it's not like any of the other gods of the nations who are fully committed to justice and also fully committed to mercy. What other god does this? Who else is a god like you? The implied answer is no one. There is none. Not just because there's no other real gods, but not even in other man-made religions. Does anyone come up with something like this where justice and mercy can both perfectly exist in their full immeasurable capacity? God's great Justice and his great mercy. 
both in the one God. Don't underestimate God's justice. Don't underestimate God's mercy. How determined he is to forgive his people. And as we read, Micah, we read with the benefit of hindsight, don't we? Knowing exactly how how much God is committed to this. He's committed to it to the tune of sacrificing his own son. The cost of the cross. God is so committed to justice and mercy. Don't underestimate. In fact, relish, revel in the in the surprise how good it is. As we dwell on it, we we celebrate as we rejoice and sing about it and praise it. God's justice and His mercy. The New Testament reminds us, doesn't it, that? It's easy to underestimate God. We're used to dealing with each other. We're used to dealing with humans. But the second one in 1 Corinthians, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Not that God is actually foolish or wise, but it's saying even at his, at his least wise, even at his least strong, he's far and away beyond us, even at our best at our strongest and wisest. You just, you can't kind of just imagine God using the normal human categories we, we are so used to. And so for wisdom and, and strength, so for justice and mercy, God is more just than anyone you've ever dealt with. And he's more merciful than the most compassionate, the kindest. He's done it through the cross. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Praise him. His mercy is so great that he's done this. Sometimes we have to recognize that our inability to, to grasp it all. We have to not pretend that we've kind of, yep, I've got, got God's character down. I've, I've kind of recognized it. Yes, tick that box. Yes, he's just. Yes, he's merciful. I reckon I fully understand. No, we can't. We've got we to have humility enough to go. God is bigger than I could fully get my head around. That's why Paul prays in Ephesians. He prays that they might the church might grow in their love, uh, might grow in understanding God's love that is beyond knowledge. They might grasp how wide and how long and how deep it is, even though it's beyond knowing. Paul, uh, yeah.
We need to have the humility not to think we've mastered it all. The humility not to underestimate what God is like. Definitely shouldn't be gloating. If that's you, please hear this warning. If you're someone who isn't one of God's people, who knows that you're not one of God's people and you don't take it seriously, you consider it a bit of a joke. You consider it something for the feeble-minded, those that need a crutch. I don't think that you're stronger and smarter and more moral than God. Don't downsize him. Don't think that uh, modern society with the accumulated knowledge of mankind, we're kind of like we've grown out of God. We're bigger than that now. We're smarter than that. We're more progressive Don't underestimate God. As soon as you think you've got it, as soon as you like put him in the box, you've categorized him. You know you've got something wrong. The surprise will come. If you don't humble yourself, the surprise will come when you are trampled underfoot. When you are the one who will see God and be afraid. Don't underestimate God's justice, his power, that he will judge. And don't underestimate his mercy, especially if you're someone who has already come to recognize it. If you, you know God is the God who sends his son so that we can be forgiven and you're trusting in it, it's, it's easy to kind of just take it for granted, isn't it? To get used to talking about God's mercy his gift of salvation, his forgiveness. Don't forget how big a sinner you are. Don't forget that you, your thoughts and actions, your words, are, as a sinner, as someone who's rebelled against God, as you act in disobedience to him, they are offensive to him. Don't forget how costly it was for him. How committed he is to forgiving you. Expect that you haven't fully comprehended it yet. Expect to keep growing in knowing and in appreciating. And delight in it. Enjoy the surprise as we keep seeing more and more of who God is, what he is like. Micah, Micah's question there, who is a God like you, is a, a special one because it actually uses his name, Micah, is the Hebrew for who is like. And using it here at the end of the book really draws, this, this question is, is, is a big one to, to leave us with drawing together these big themes of God's justice and his mercy. Who else is like him? 
The answer is no one is. There is no one else like that. No other God, no other person in history that has, has kind of got these two things together. No one else that we've dreamed up in even human imagination is like this so perfectly. I want to finish with this, some of the some words from a song that, that dwell on this. Some words that say, Who else commands all the host of heaven? Who else could make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness trembles? What other beauty demands such praises? What other splendor outshines the sun? What other majesty rules with justice? What other glory consumes like fire? What other power can raise the dead? What other name remains undefeated? Who else could rescue me from my failing? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Who else is God like you? No. He's unique. His justice and mercy are incomparable. Don't underestimate it. Let's pray. Um, oh, great God. You are so just and so merciful. And please help us to keep growing in knowing this better, in appreciating it more. Please protect us from taking it for granted and from underestimating who you are. Please show us more and more of yourself and help us to rejoice in it, to praise you, to be surprised and thrilled and to bring more glory to you. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.